Amen. I needed that this morning. I hope you did too. So, um, so we've kind of come to the end of a, a journey that we've been on over the last few weeks. If, if you've been with us, we've been talking about sharing our faith and, and what that means to our lives and our, our life together. So this is the final, final week of this series, Shaped to Share. And so uh, one more time for the final time, I want to just remind you the big idea behind this conversation is that God has uniquely created and called and commissioned you to share your faith with others in ways that are uniquely you. And, and it's a reflection of, of who we are and, and whose we are and who God's calling us to be. What I want you to remember from this conversation is that God has shaped you, molded you, formed you in such a way that that we're wired to, to serve others and to share with others. That anchor verse that we've been looking at, 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So even though we're all unique and we're all different, the one God is at work in, in us and, and wants to work through us. And when we're sharing our faith, both individually and corporately, we're not only sharing the good news of eternal life that's ours in Jesus Christ, we're, we're living out the abundant life that Christ offers us. And again, when we, when we do that together, we're living into the vision that God has for us as a church, this idea of, of sharing life together in Christ. And the reason why for all of those things is because that's who God has uniquely created and called and commissioned us to be. And so, uh, so we've been looking at this book, Contagious Faith, by Mark Middleberg. He talks about these five contagious faith styles one more time. There are these ways that God has uniquely called and created and commissioned us to be, to share our faith through, through these ways of friendship building, selfless serving, story sharing, reason giving, and truth telling. And so we've looked at each one of those individually and, and kind of seen how God has uniquely uh, shaped us, but also how God has shaped us together to share these things. And so uh, just, just to share this with you, uh, last week... Uh, when we got done looking at all those different faith-sharing styles, I, I, I kind of thought we were done with the series. I'd already uh, accounted for one more week of, of going with this series, but when I got done preaching, I thought, well, maybe, maybe that's all that needs to be said uh, about that. But then somebody came up to me out of, after the service and shared something with me that made me think that there was just a little bit more to say. Uh, someone came up and, and, and told me how much they had loved the series, how much they had learned about themselves, about God, about Jesus, about the Bible. Uh, and then they said something that, to the effect of, I, I know how important it is now to share my faith, but I still don't really know what to say. And, and I thought, you know, if, if this person is asking that question, then I bet there are others who are asking that question as well. And maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe after this conversation we've had, uh, maybe we've talked a lot about the why and the how of sharing our faith, why it's important and, and how we can do it. Uh, but maybe we still need to talk a little bit more about, 
about the what of our faith. What is our faith? And, and what do we say? So, so if that's you, I want you to know that today's message in many ways is a response to that statement and to that question. Uh, my hope is that we would be able to, to go from this place, to, to move forward from this conversation, being confident of, of who God has called and, and, and created and commissioned us to be, but we would know what it is that we, we have to share uh, with others. And so today I want to start with, with just this one question, and I want us to wrestle with it this morning. What is the gospel? And then we'll close with some response questions, kind of how do I respond to it? How do I share with others? But my hope for today is that we would examine this question uh, in such a way that, that we can examine our own hearts and minds to see where we stand in our understanding and our application of this thing that we call the gospel. And, and then, uh, not only in our own life, in our own life together, but then how that understanding and application might affect and influence others as we share the gospel with others. And so my hope is that it, we would leave here today that you would have such an understanding and, and application that it wouldn't be uh, something scary to think about sharing uh, with others. So with that in mind, I want to explore this one question today. What is the gospel? And, and some of you may be saying, you know, that, that, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? The good news about Jesus. And that's true. Uh, but, but you'd be surprised how different people answer that question differently. And it, I think it usually comes down to, to three points. So I'm going to be a three-point preacher this morning. And I'm going to share with you three points uh, that I think encompass the gospel. And they're these points. The starting point, the tipping point, and the turning point. I want to unpack each one of those for you individually this morning. The first one is, is what I would call the starting point. This, is, this has to do with the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the story. And I'm not necessarily talking about uh, in the beginning, in, in the book of Genesis, but I'm talking about uh, when we tell the story of salvation, where do we start? And, and, you know, different people start in different places. Some people start with us, specifically our sin, with us being sinful Creatures. Some people begin sharing the gospel by saying we are sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and since God hates sin, God had to send his son to get rid of that sin. And, and so God doesn't have to be angry with us anymore. That's how some people share the gospel. And, and, and that's okay. Uh, but I'm going to keep going with it, okay? Some people start with us, uh, specifically us being image bearers of God, right? We are sons and daughters created in the image of God. And so God created us good, sin made us bad, and so again, God had to send his son to get rid of sin so that we can be good again. Now there's a lot of truth in, in a lot of those statements, but, but neither one of them are what I would call the starting point for the gospel. Uh, but before I tell you what I think the true starting point is, I want to go to the second one. I want us to look at the tipping point. So we've got the tipping point, uh, we've got the starting point, now we're going to look at the tipping point. The tipping point is the place in the story where everything changes. Uh, that moment where things change decisively. And, and again, different people focus on different things. Some people start with, with what's called the incarnation, Jesus coming to us, being born one of us, and, and taking on our humanity. Uh, some people start with the crucifixion, where Jesus died for us on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. Some people start uh, focus primarily on the resurrection, Jesus being raised from the grave, giving us victory over sin and death. And then still others focus on what's, what's called the second coming, right? When Jesus returns uh, to us in final 
victory. And again, all these things are important to know, and I hope you're filing these things away and, and putting them in your toolbox. But none of them are what I would call uniquely in and of themselves the tipping point of the gospel. But before I tell you what the true starting point and the two true tipping point is, I've got one more point I want us to look at. This is the third and final point. This is called the, the turning point, okay? The, the starting point and the tipping point all lead to the turning point. The turning point is the place where the gospel makes a difference in your life and in the lives of those around you, in the lives of all those who would receive it and respond to it. And here's what I believe. I believe that for the gospel to have its full effect on, on us as its recipients and on those around us, we need to have a full understanding and application of the full gospel. And so all these things are important to know, uh, and there are parts of them that I think we need to be able to communicate to others at different times. But, but in my mind, it's not the full gospel. And, and here's what I think. Here's why. Here's what I think the full biblical gospel is. The good news of great joy for all people. It all comes down to this. It's all about Jesus. And you're like, wow, that's really amazing. Pastor Trey, you went to school for that long to, to, to say that to us? We all believe that, right? But, but what I want to challenge is today that sometimes when we, when we think about the gospel, sometimes when we think about sharing the gospel, that we forget that it's all, it is truly all about Jesus. And when it's all about Jesus, you know what the, the, the other side of that is? It's not about us. And here's what I mean by that, okay? The starting point of the gospel is Jesus. The tipping point of the gospel is Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. The turning point of the gospel is Jesus, our response to him. But see, it's not about us, it's about him. Listen to this great quote from the book that I read this week. It kind of sums up the whole thing. It says, the focus of the biblical gospel is Jesus, who he is, what he came to do, what he accomplished through his death and resurrection, and how we can respond by becoming a part of his kingdom, trusting in him and following him as Lord and King. Jesus is the epicenter of the gospel, and, by its and it by its very nature is designed to produce disciples of Jesus Christ. See, if we don't have a full understanding of, of what the gospel is, then, then, then we don't have a full understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If we think the gospel is about us, then sometimes we can see the gospel as, as what we get from it, right? That we can be, re what, what, what we get out of it, right? Sometimes we look at it as, you know, fire insurance, right? That we can accept that, that gospel and, and we can go to heaven when we die, right? Or, or so that we can get something out of it. it you know, sometimes it's the, the prosperity gospel, that it's all about what we can gain from the gospel, right? But when we look at it in this way, that the gospel is all about Jesus, then we learn what it fully means to be a disciple, a lifelong disciple who chooses to respond every day of our lives. People, people sometimes will talk about when did you receive Christ into your life, and, and I, have, I have a story, my, my conversion story, but I also say, you know what, I wake up every day and accept Christ, because it is an ongoing journey, but it's all about Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the, 
the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the central character in creation and redemption and new creation and restoration. It's all about Jesus. I love what Paul says in his letter to the Colossians. I think this says it best. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. In him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's all about Jesus. He's the artist and the potter of all creation, and we are his new creation. We're the jars of clay that carry that message to others. He is the author and perfecter of our faith, and we, and we are the pages on which he is writing his story. It's all about Jesus. See, the problem with, I think, with some versions of the gospel is that they start with us and they end with us they start with our sin and they end with our salvation but there's just so much more to the story and that's good for us see the truth is a self-centered gospel is no gospel at all because because we'll never find the life that we're seeking life abundant life eternal life together we'll never find that in our own strength See, life abundant is found in Christ alone. Amen? Life eternal is found in Christ alone. Amen? Life together is found in Christ alone. Amen? All right. I'm trying to wake myself up too, so just go with me here. See, the good news of Jesus Christ is that it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is God with us and God for us and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is working in us and through us. This is the way to God's free gift of grace. This is the truth that sets us free. This is the life that we've all longed for, that we long to share with others, that it's not about us, it's about Jesus. The focus is not on us, it's on Him. But Jesus' focus is on us. He loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son so that we might have life. And this should be freeing to you today because when it's not about us, it's not about what we've done or what we haven't done or what we have to do or not do. It's about what Jesus has already done and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus promises to do. See, the problem with any other version of the gospel is just not big enough to encompass our great big God and all that he's done and is doing and will do. My friend J.D. Watt likes to say, that's true as far as it goes, it just doesn't go far enough. See, it, those other versions put a lot of power and purpose on us instead of putting those things in their proper place, their proper perspective. We need to be reminded that Jesus is the starting point and the tipping point. 
and the turning point, who he is, what he came to do, what he accomplished through his death and resurrection, and how we can respond by becoming part of his kingdom and trusting him and following him as Lord and King. When we can let go of having to be the center of our own universe, the beginning and end of our own gospel, then we can accept that good news of great joy that's for all people. Because we know it's, it's for us, but it's not about us. See, that's the truth that will set us free to respond with faith without the fear of failure. That we can respond in faith and we can share our faith without having to worry about what we're going to say. Because it's God's good news about Jesus Christ. And that we are simply grateful recipients of God's grace. That gift that we get to share with others. And, and, and even more good news is we get to share with others one more time in ways that reflect who God has uniquely created and called and commissioned us to. See, it's not what God wants from us, it's what God wants for us. This is an expression of who we are. That's the gospel. So I want to wrap up this morning with those last, last two, two questions. How do I respond to it? And how do I share it with others? What does it mean to make a decision in response to the gospel, what does it mean to share the gospel with someone else in a way that they can make a decision in response to it? Well, I want to make it really, really practical this morning to answer that question of, of how we respond to the gospel and how we can invite someone else to respond to the gospel. Well, I think the Bible gives us a clear pattern of what that process looks like. Paul says in, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess, and you are saved. The book kind of lays out this little format of three steps. Turn, trust, and follow. We turn from our, our sin and our old way of life. The Bible calls that repentance. We trust Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And then we follow Jesus as the leader of our, our new life in him. If you're ever given an opportunity to pray with someone to receive Christ into their life, this is a great outline to use. If you can remember those three words, you invite you invite someone to confess their desire to turn from their sin, their old way of life. You invite them to express their desire to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives. And you can invite them to profess their desire to follow Jesus on this lifelong journey called discipleship within this community that we call church. You know, when someone makes a decision to follow Christ and, and um, they're baptized here at, at the church, I, I ask them a version of this. We call it a profession of faith, right? Is it? Do you seek to turn from, from your sin and your old way of life and turn and follow Jesus? Do you put your whole trust in him and promise to, to serve him and follow him all the days of your life as Savior and Lord? And then we ask the, the community of faith to walk with them on that lifelong journey of discipleship. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens. But, you know, it, it doesn't just happen here. You can have those conversations with the people in your life. And this is a great outline to follow. You can invite people to trust, to turn, to trust, and to follow. 
I wonder today if there might be someone that's here that might be feeling that tug on their heart today. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never uh, decided to turn from your old way of living, to turn and follow Jesus's way, to experience the new life that, that comes from making him Savior and Lord of your life. If that's you today, then maybe you want to respond. And there'll be an opportunity for that in just a moment. But the last thing I want to say to you is, how, how do we share it with that with others? Well, I think we've talked about that a lot over the last few weeks. So I just want to leave you with one more quote from the book. It kind of sums up this whole thing. And I pray that it's an encouragement for you as we go from this place to share our faith with others. It says this, combining your natural approach, those contagious faith styles, with the supernatural message of the gospel is a powerful combination that God can use to impact your friend's life and future in ways that are hard to fully comprehend. Put these ideas into action and your faith will be truly contagious. Amen. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, the worship team is going to come back up. But, but I want to give the invitation this morning uh, that if, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never made a decision to follow Christ in your life and you want to do that this morning... Uh, the altars are going to be open as we sing this closing song. If you want somebody to pray with you, I would love to do that today. If you just have more questions about that, I'd love to talk to you today or anytime about that. Uh, if, you, if you feel like you've, you've made Christ your Savior, but, but maybe your life looks different, you feel like you, maybe you haven't made Christ Lord of your life, and you want to make that decision to take that step of faith today, I want to encourage you to do that today. And if you want to come forward and, and have prayer, I'd love to pray with you for that as well. Whatever that looks like this morning. Maybe you've got somebody on your heart and mind that, that God is calling you to reach out to and to share this good news of great joy that's for all people. And, and you want some encouragement or, or prayer for that. Come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Um, whatever this looks like for the next few minutes of this service, let's ask God to speak to our hearts, and let, let's have the, the courage and the grace to respond. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together today. Thank you for your word and for your spirit that, that convicts us, that challenges us, that encourages us, that calls us to step out in faith. Allow Christ to, to do what only Christ can do in our lives so that we might experience new life, life abundant, life eternal, life together in him. Whatever step of faith that you're calling us to today, God, I pray that you would just give us the strength, the courage, the grace to respond so that our lives might be transformed and so that the lives of those around us might be as well. God, we thank you for this time and we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? And you're invited to come.